are you calling from today? Thanks. I am currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not quite sure where that is. Well, I know where Atlanta, like, I know where Atlanta is, I guess. Yeah, right above Florida. Yeah. Like, Florida. My, my, my geography is terrible. So. <laughs> hey, mine too. <laughs> In that case, welcome to the show. Hello. It's a very relaxed intro. I apologize. I don't have like a formal like sign on like a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's keep it genuine. <laughs> I mean, I try to as much as I can, but yeah. Yeah, it's pretty simple. All righty. Um, I, I have a very simple first question to lead us into this. Um, who are you? Who am I? Um, I am. I am. A human. I'm a I mean, helps. grad yeah. college kid. I just graduated from Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, um, and I'm currently trying to make it as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And my biggest goal is just to kind of try to spread some joy, especially now more than ever. Oh, Lord knows. <laughs> it's, it's dark right now. So, um, yeah, I'm a composer, I'm a singer, I'm a dancer, and I'm an actress. You hit, like, all the boxes for the things you need for drama, right? Like, yes, yes. Is it, is it Alyssa or Alicia? Alyssa. Okay, I was trying to figure it out. You have a quite a unique name. Oh, thank you. I've only even known one other person with the last name Payne. Yeah. Um, but it was spelled differently. That's quite unique. But obviously, yeah, so I, I found your work through YouTube, as you do. Oh, nice. And I was actually trying to think, um, like, what was the first thing I think I saw? And I think it was your chicken and horse song. Get out of here. Is that really the first thing you saw? I think I, I found it, like, at random and was like, oh, what's this? And then I ended up like looking at you more and it was it was timed around the same time as like your album came out. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, so it kind of informed everything. Oh my well, not my impression of you. I mean, there's a duck on the wall behind you. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's so crazy. Yeah. Wow. It's all I love. I love hearing how people like first heard of me or like their favorite song of mine because there's so there's in so many different genres and whatnot. <laughs> I feel like we should inform the audience um, that you have an, have an album. Can you oh. tell us about it. Yes. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have an album. Oh, don't look at my mid. There's no shaming here. We're a shame-free place. It's um music theater standalone songs. Some could say written about my life. Um, and they're all orchestrated um, by the fabulous Nick Podokai. Um, and it's on Spotify, Apple Music. It's more music theater. Um, mm-hmm. It was, I mean, that's why I reached out because I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, that means so much. I, I've just assumed no one has heard it. So when people reach out to me and they're like, I love it. I, was I like, do that with a show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And what a great tool to use, you know, if something like inspires you or you like it. That's I, I constantly am in people's comments being like, oh, this is so amazing. This brought me so much joy because you never know 
like I was on Instagram live. The reason figuring out a time was a little tricky is uh, my aunt just passed away. I'm sorry to hear that. And oh, thank you. And it's it's just been it's just been a hard week, and and I don't really go live at all. But I went live because I was just like distracted for a minute. Yeah. Um. And someone commented, they were like, "Your album got me through a really rough time." Um. And just reading that, I think. Mm-hmm the world to me because we can all think of that art either if it's a tv show you know that got us through a dark time or a movie or you know a song that got us through a breakup and it was just so i mean that that's like the biggest compliment the biggest honor is like hearing that and then hearing you be like oh i loved it like that's just such a such a cool thing uh yeah i think as, as artists you it's easy to forget how far some of your stuff can go and and kind of touch especially I mean, if you get if you get doing it for a while, and you you know, obviously you're trying lots of things and doing lots of things, and over the time, your your style might change. So you might you know look back ten years and be like, oh well, I'm not into musical theater anymore. I'm into you know nothing but improv. Everything's improv. Um, and then you when you do find someone who's like, oh yeah, I remember this from you know five years ago, and it was a great little song, and I sing it to myself every so often. I, I think yeah, there's a there's a a human connection with art which is easy to forget when you get just making it constantly yeah yeah well and that's so funny about yeah changing genres because um for those of you who don't know i like it so i started on youtube kind of during covid but i was really sad in high school and i started writing these musical comedy songs and i describe them now as more of a bo burnham rachel bloom you know silly songs about being friend zoned or thinking Tony the Tiger's hot. Yeah, just silly things like that. And how that kind of took me to these more theater songs, which like, who are you singing to? What are you going through? And it's fun to think, yeah, what if that brings me to like, I don't know, hip hop writer, pop yeah. writer. <laughs> you never know where you're going to end up. That's the, I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting as well, like that you use Bo Burnham as a point of reference. Of like, like someone you're like, using it as like a genre reference whereas to me i don't see him that way i guess but maybe that's the age difference <laughs> just didn't yeah. hit like right at the right moment for it to kind of land in the same one yeah all right so how long did your album take you to make i'm curious how what how long did your album take you to make is it like a like a long process or that is a great question you know what's crazy? <laughs> um, Everything. Everything. Um, so I, I kind of had the songs. You know, I spent a minute. What order would be good? You know, I had the songs, and um, there are a few songs I look back and I'm like, should I have done? I guess gone through and edited a little more. I felt like I just kind of had it and was like, let's put it on the album, and it just like right. put it on there. But um, let's see. The weird part, honestly, is. It probably took about like three months, yeah. but you start battling, and I'm sure you feel this way just as an artist, but um, I really started dealing with, I hate to be like demons, but in a way, you know, it's like I kind of had this finished product mm-hmm. and then it took another like three months to want to release it. And I remember I did the vocals and they were messy, so I, I knew I wanted to redo all the vocals. And so that kind of took an extra two months. And, and it only took two months. Like, I was just doing one takes. Music theater, yeah. you can't do a bunch of vocal editing. So I'm just doing, like, one take through. Um, but I just remember, and I, and I try to tell a lot of people that, is, like, 
you know, making an album, making making a podcast, making whatever your art is. I have so much respect if you can just get it out because I think getting something out is its own battle because it's, we love to hold our art hostage. I love to hold my art hostage. Um, and so anyway, not to ramble, but to answer your question, I guess overall, if, like I said, three months to make, but yeah. wow, I, I want to say another four months that I was like, oh, is it really uh, yeah. worth how do you How do you get over that, though? Like, as an artist, it's, it's, I mean, like you say, I, I always think it's kind of like the Titanic, not Titanic. Oh, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of like Titanic, like an iceberg. Yeah. I was focusing on the wrong thing. I don't know the name of the iceberg. Um, but where you, you, you know, you see the public sees the last 10% and they didn't see the two months you spent worrying about whether it was good enough. And you, even the creation of it can be, like you say, pretty rapid, get it done in, in two months, and then you spend a month polishing it and, and getting through that. I think that's something a lot of artists deal with. So how do you get through it? As someone who's done it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, have I gone through it? Um, you know, I think... It's out. <laughs> yeah, not only just hearing, like, I think the phrase, don't hold your art hostage, like I said mm-hmm. a second ago, that, that was kind of eye-opening to me. Um, I also think, you know, this is less, this kind of goes this way and then this way. You can't get to your second version until you've written your first version. Mm. And you, you can't get to your third unless you've written the second. And, and when you start looking at that, you start to have a little more grace, I think, towards yourself. And I finally got to a point where it was like, you know what? release it and then guess what if my next album is better it's better (laughs) but just allowing things and and i think that's the frustrating thing about art in general i guess everything actually everything can always be a little better yeah and and i think that's that if you get too stuck on that it's just a drain and that's where i got stuck is i was like well these lyrics well maybe they're not even that good well maybe i should rewrite the whole thing and i was like you know what Honor, honor the Alyssa that wrote that a year ago when she was in a breakup <laughs> and allow it to be what it is mm-hmm. and post it. I also think I read this book called The Inner Game of Tennis and it's a, it's about tennis. It's not even about the arts, but it's all about the two parts of our brain, self one and self two. And self one is the part that does stuff and self two, its only job is to be like, is that smart? Is that a good decision? Is that this? Um, and it, it's, it's, it's imperative for survival, survival, but um, learning how to really calm down that self too. Mm. And also as like, you know, if you're a singer too, you know, if you crack on stage, allowing that to just be something you surpass over. You did it. And guess what? You got to move on. You can't get stuck at each moment in your life where you want to, you know, just give up and throw everything away. So I don't think I even answered your question. <laughs> We go, we go all around on this. <laughs> I know. I got my coffee because I saw, you know. I love the fact that when you emailed me and I was, like, asking you for topics, you gave me, like, a bunch of topics, and then two emails later you gave me different topics. <laughs> I know. I probably look crazy. I know on my website it's, like, a messaging function. So sometimes right. I write back, like, messaging, but then I'm like, oh, it's probably emailing this poor man. <laughs> I was just getting emails. I was just like... But I, I find I, I have a very uh, like clear clear goal when it comes to guests, which is 
I'm going to attempt to reach out in like whatever form I can. If they have an email address, I'll just drop them an email. If they have a website, like, you know, help function, I'll go through that because it's, that's the way they've chosen to communicate with the world. So, and it saves me sliding into people's DMs, which always seem, feels wrong. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious. You, you mentioned that, like the idea of um, releasing work, which you're no longer kind of in that headspace for. So like like writing a breakup song when you're going through a breakup and then releasing it much later on. How do you find that as like a a, a feeling, I guess? Um well hmm. I, I think let me know if I'm answering your question or not. Okay. <laughs> like, hey, that's not what I asked. <laughs> I think it's not about training as like an actor and you know, as a music theater major and stuff. I think whenever I write a song, the most important question to myself is who are you talking to and what are you trying to say? And it doesn't matter if, you know, I went through a breakup like months and months ago. If I'm able to just step into that mindset of who am I talking to? What Like I have a song called Winning This Breakup and it's a comedic song, but it's all about this girl who's telling her ex, like, I am so successful and I'm so much better than you thought I was. You didn't think I could do this, but look at me, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm thriving. And then she starts describing a bunch of pyramid schemes and like, so it's got the ironic twist of like, Oh yeah, she's not thriving. Um, But being able, you know, finding the truth within each song. um, Is that kind of, Oh wait, I don't feel like I answered that well. (laughs) No, I think, I think like that alludes to it. I mean, you're kind of saying that, as an a, a actress's performer, you able to kind of tap into that previous feeling to create work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I also think I'd love your opinion on this. I, I personally like listening to albums more than I like singles because I kind of like just being able to click on something and walk away and let it play versus singles, which is why I've kind of gone more the approach of making these EPs versus releasing singles. But I'm always... Yeah what people think i mean would you what do you think would be more interesting if like you know break up write a song about a breakup release it or do you prefer albums and bodies of work that kind of tell the story i think it varies piece to piece i'm I'm very much an album kind of person if i if i if i hear a song i'll try to listen to the whole album because i think that I think that kind of gets lost nowadays in terms of like the internet. You you do you know you see sound bites, you see clips which are on memes and TikToks and whatnot. And I think it removes the storytelling element which you get with an album. And I always like to find out if the creator has kind of done that or whether they've just accumulated like a bunch of songs and said this is you know the EP because that's why I did find interesting about yours was the the fact that you went for an album rather than just producing a YouTube video and saying, oh, I'll make this one. And then a few months later, how oh, I made a new one. And it's a different content stream to what I think most people are used to these days. <laughs> uh, whew. Yeah. Content. Isn't that crazy? The it's a way dirty word. <laughs> I know. I saw a video once where it's like, oh, the worst thing that's happened to this generation is confusing art with content. Mm. I don't really care that much. In fact, in some ways, it's helpful going back to what you said about how do you get over that fear of releasing. TikTok, say what you want about it. But it really helped me get over that. When you can just post a rough idea of a song, mm-hmm. 
every day just to like a little rough idea of a song then you get more comfortable with releasing something that's not perfect or per you know and i think getting in the habit of of that is nice yeah i think i, I mean i i've yet to join tiktok but that's just because i've never got really around to it and instagram is just there um yeah. but it, it it does serve a purpose in terms of allowing people that that catharsis especially people who don't necessarily create on the regular you know like people who didn't grow up with the i want to be an artist i want to be an actor i want to you know go perform i think it gave them an outlet yeah. which is where that kind of confusion then started to happen between people making content because they were trying to, you know, just make some product and people who were just like, well, I'm just here you know, yeah. watching the world go by. Mm. Yeah. Well, now we live in such a, well, let me not be all depressed, but yeah, we kind of live in a, where I know I have a lot of artist friends who they feel like you cannot be an artist unless you have a TikTok and, mm unless you know unless you have a certain amount of followers and that's where the whole like we make fun of i make fun of i'm literally one of these people who's like please listen to my music but constantly you know you scroll and you just see that meme of like did i accidentally write the song of the summer and it's their song and you just have all these musicians who then they're creating more you know to make a hit instead of something that they want to say and i don't know i i have seen it be a little damaging to artists and stuff, also very helpful, you know? But um, yeah, if you don't have TikTok, <laughs> maybe don't, because I have, if I could, I would delete everything in a heartbeat. Oh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I just, I have, I, I've, I've thought about it a couple of times. And honestly, I have no idea what I would put there. Yeah. Like that's the main issue. Like, I mean, I have Instagram where I can post still images and most of my artwork is, is still, it's not kind of animated or anything like that. And then I was like, well, TikTok, it would be my face, which I, I post enough of that to do with my podcast anyway. Nobody wants too much of that in anyone's basic place. Um, so <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I didn't, don't know. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I was like, by the way, your artwork is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you have such a, you have such a gift. Please never stop creating. I was scrolling and I got so stuck. I was like, this, how, how? <laughs> I have too much free time, maybe. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Or to New Jersey, I guess. New Jersey, New Jersey's entertaining. It's got things going on. Yeah, I'm just across the river. I don't know what George is like. So, <laughs> why? What are you do you do you live down in Georgia? Then? You? Yeah. Well, sort. I'm about to, like I said, I'm about to move up. I'm starting this BMI. It's where like Alan Minkin started. It's for music theater writers. It's in New York. I'm about to start that. Uh, but I just graduated, so. I'm down here with my parents. I'm teaching piano lessons and um, uh, leading worship at a church. Um, just kind of save up, and um, it's been it's been really it's been good, you know. Yeah. I thought it wasn't ideal, but um, it's been I think good. everyone has that gap where they end up living back at home briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, look, I got this for us. <laughs> It was like 20 bucks. It's probably a waste of money. It says on That's it. beautiful. That's great. I mean, maybe I need one of those on the outside of the building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just confused people walking past like, what is that? It's like, it's just someone's house. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My leg is just falling asleep. <laughs> it's the worst feeling in the world. So 
Um, I mean, musical theatre-wise, that was on your list of topics. Of oh, yeah. Potential discussions. I know. I hate talking about me. We talk about you. Um, but, yeah, music theatre, I've done that my entire life. I went to music theatre, mm-hmm. performing arts high school. I was working professionally before that. Um, the high school was a little toxic. Uh, kind of made me not want to do it anymore. But then, of course, the only school... Or the best deal I got for school was like a conservatory. So then I just kind of kept doing it. And um, I, I sort of fell back in love with it sophomore year. And then COVID happened. Wow. So all the college kids got like sent home for two years. And so now it has been this weird thing where, gosh, I mean, I've, I've been so lucky to be able to perform my original work places. Um, and I, I still, you know, I signed with some agents and I'm submitting for stuff. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I'm not performing as much. And even though my love hate has kind of moved a little with it, it's very weird when you've done something for so long of your life and then you haven't done it for a minute. I do feel like I'm, I'm missing something, you know, um, it breaks my heart for just all of us actors and stuff. You know, we're such a meme of, like, starving artists. <laughs> um, but when something brings you so much joy, you don't get to do it for a while. So right now I'm waiting. I, I just submitted for some dream roles, and we'll see. But it's just weird when everything's on a laptop, you know. It used to be you yeah. go in a room, and there's always an energy in a room. You can work a room. But now everything you submit is just like, hello, my name's Alyssa. Here's a song. So it's... Um, it's definitely very crazy, but I love music theater. I, it's what got me into writing music theater. Um, just the idea of if you if you don't know how to say it, sing it, you know. Um, what about you? What's something you've done your entire life that it would feel weird not to do it? I, I don't know. That makes <laughs> it sound like I've done nothing my entire life, which is true. I probably have done nothing my, my entire life. I don't know, drawing, probably. I draw a lot and I've always drawn. So that's, yeah. you know, that was my introduction to art and, and and how I kind of, I mean, it's how I start every idea, regardless of what I'm doing. I always end up doing a drawing or a sketch. So yeah, I can imagine that would disconnect. Why, why would you, why did you, do you think you gravitated towards musical theater rather than let's say kind of like stand up or anything like that? Oh, that's good. Um, I've been doing it a while. I think, uh, it sounds so, I don't want to sound like a, but because I had been doing it for so long, it came fairly easy to me, you know, being in really advanced dance classes and being able to sing different genres. And, and it felt like, cause there was a moment in my life, especially when I started writing those comedic songs to deal with depression and stuff, where I was like, oh, maybe I should just go be a comedian in Chicago. But then it felt like I was wasting this voice and this dance ability. And so then I was like, well, what if I'm just a singer? And, you know, but then you have the acting and the, and I do think there is something beautiful. This is where I start to sound like, oh, art, artsy. But there is something beautiful about telling a story on stage. And I mean, what, what got us through COVID? Movies, art, TV shows. You know, like I said, I've been dealing with, um, losing someone I really loved this last mm-hmm. week. I went and saw this musical. Oh my gosh. It's known as one of like the saddest musicals, which I'm usually not into, but I got free tickets and I was like, 
I've got to go see it. Um, and I already told the person who gave me the tickets, like, hey, I might need to step out. It, 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 it hit very close to home. What what had kind of been happening the last week? And um, um, But I went, and it was the first time in a long time I've been in a theater. And there was this moment where it was like, wow, there's something so cathartic. What's the word? Cathartic? Cathartic. Yeah, there it is. Where when you are able to just sit in all of your troubles – kind of transport onto the stage and you're able just to watch something and get lost in it. This is a long way to say that um, I think there's something kind of magical about the theater that you can't really get in a stand-up show. And I, I do say I think stand-up is awesome. It has its own world, its own audience. But I think that's what got me more into music theater is, is just, and then I, a big compliment I've gotten on my album is like, so many people have said self-expression, the human expression. And I think there's so many people, they don't know how to feel what they're feeling. We don't teach that. I wish we did, but we don't teach how to, you know, what is this feeling of anxiety? What is this feeling of, you know, suffocation? What is this feeling? And when you see someone sing about a feeling that you're not able to describe, there can be something so therapeutic about that, which I think is just so, so cool. That's interesting. I mean, from my, my view, whenever I've thought of musicals and musical theater before, I don't think I've ever thought of it from the point of view of catharsis in that manner. But I think that's mainly because when I picture musicals, I picture the amount of work which it takes to get it to the stage. Yeah. And I, I think from how quickly I make work, I'd think of it like, well, I feel like I'd lose something. It, it seems more planned, kind of like a film. Like, you know, you're, you're going to have to write a script, you're going to have to write these songs and then rehearse it all and practice and go and go and go. And I just don't think I've ever thought of it that way of just like, yeah, this is just a way to get something out just the same as any other art form. Yeah. And it's, and it's a weird balance because that's one of my pet peeves. Because um, you can also tell... Uh, See, now I'm like, seriously, give me a little sign if you're like, hey, you're rambling. <laughs> Rambling's good. <laughs> Have you um, watched this podcast? It's just know, it's 90% I, rambling. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want you to have to search for topics. I'm just throw it all at you. Um, there was once, I remember as an actor, as a performer, I would get a little, people would always ask, why do you do this? And people would always say, because I love it. I love it. It's for me. It makes me feel good which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But for me, it was always more of a, because I want the audience to escape, especially I did a lot of musical comedy. The Drowsy Chaperone was one of my favorite shows. I've done it like four times. But it, the show itself is literally, I mean, it's about an escape. And it's just this hilarious musical comedy. And there's, um, when Shrek was on Broadway, they interviewed the main guy, Brian Darcy James. And they were like, why do you do what you do? Um... And he even said that. He's like, you think I put on all this green paint every night and these, you know, this plastic on my face for me? (laughs) I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it to bring joy to other people and to have people and escape. And and I do think that's that's more of how I feel about it. And that being said, what you were saying about artists, I think there's a balance. But I've also seen a lot of work where it felt very oh this was just the writer trying to get something off their chest and to be so blunt i'm like it's not it's not good it's no that's so bad god cut that (laughs) but it's not not enjoyable it's not you weren't thinking of anyone but yourself when you wrote this 
Um, It's a diary. It's a diary entry. And I think some things are meant to stay in your diary. Um, However, you can form stuff from that and turn it into a beautiful show. But I don't know. I've just, especially in college, you see a bunch of work where it's like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, so I studied film and photography at college um, and I can completely understand. the. the, I mean, I'm probably guilty of it at some point of making, you know, an ego piece where you're just like, yeah, no, no one understands me. I'm going to make a really pretentious film and you know it, it always turns out bad <laughs> <It always is. laughs> well maybe bad is the wrong word I should have said that but um no I love that I love that and and you studied film wait tell me about that how is studying film um I wouldn't do it again <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, no I like I enjoyed it so I, my, my course was kind of unique in the sense of it was a it was called contemporary lens media. Mm-hmm. So it was a combination of photography and film and you were to study both, but from kind of more from like a fine art capacity than a making feature films or short films capacity. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was three years and I, I did it and I came out and I, I got a grade and that was good. But uh, it, it, it sort of killed a lot of passion for things because I'm not a fan of uh, some educational institutions. <laughs> Yeah, I love what you said on your on your YouTube, your intro video. You say something where it's like, oh, I'm going to butcher it. Help me out. Where it's like, if you love it, do it. Or Yeah, it's it's create things which you want to create. That's, yes. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's, that's like, like you say, I think that's, that's where you should start with yeah. everything you make. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a super interesting when I first started writing those comedic songs more on my YouTube, you can tell, you know, the, the first four I did, and I remember brainstorming this way. What's something everyone can relate to being friend owned, being left on red Netflix. Those are my first like three videos, ice cream. Everyone kind of likes that. Boom, four things. And it wasn't until COVID where the more weirdly specific I got to me, <laughs> something that I was like, Oh, no one's going to relate to this, but I relate to this people have a stronger relationship with. And I, I was in a Zoom call, I was watching Sarah Bareilles talk about stuff. And um, I don't know if you know Sarah Bareilles and nope. her stuff, but she has a song called Love Song that was like viral right. for the longest time in 2000. It was everyone said, I'm not gonna write you a love song cause you asked for it. I do know <laughs> Everyone, apparently she wrote that about the music industry. She wrote that to her publisher being like, I'm not gonna write another love song. I wanna write about what I wanna write. But you know how many of us people were like, you wrote that song about me because my boyfriend was pitying me. (laughs) So it's so crazy to me that if you actually, what you said, if you write about what you want to write about, it's going to have an even greater impact. Um, Yeah. Well, I think you you kind of mentioned that, like when you start with broader topics, like that's a good place to start. But the, the more internal you get, the more people do relate to it because it's the stuff which they don't know how to bring out and they, they don't know how to discuss. One of the comments I get on most of the, this kind of like the solo ones I do, where it's just me rambling for 30 minutes because I find that entertaining is yeah. someone will come along. It's like, Oh yeah, you, you said that thing, which I've thought, but I've never said. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know, that's nice. It's nice to know that there's other parts of brains, which are thinking the same <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then obviously, say again. 
what school did you go to? Uh, so I, I went to Lincoln University in the UK. Okay, nice, nice. That's where I'm originally from. Yes. Hence the accent. What do you like better, the UK or? Um, so I'm having fun at the minute. Um, describing my experience in the US in a very bland way and annoying New Yorkers because I feel like they expect me to have a very controversial opinion, either positive or negative, and I just yeah. keep saying it's okay. I love that. <laughs> so how, how are you finding New York? It's okay. It's all right. Like, can't complain, but it's not the best thing I've seen in the world. And I find that that worries people. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Actually, in New York. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> But no, it's it's good. I've, I've been here since July, so a fair while. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything's okay. I'm, I'm very much a, um, I'm, I'm on the train until it kicks me off kind of person. So it's led me here this far. I like the UK. I was there the majority of my life up until now. So yeah. Well, have you always been kind of in, in the area then? Or, I mean, you mentioned multiple locations. <laughs> Um, I went to school in Boston, but besides that, I've just been, I've been in Georgia. You have a song about Boston, right? I do. Ah, good. I did my research. I know, I know. (laughs) I click YouTube links and Linktree and I find out what's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you find it hard to find new music now, which which you enjoy? Oh, A little, a little. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know how people are like, "What do you like to listen to?" I like to listen to everything, and it's like, "Oh, name something." Such a cop out answer. I know. I hate, when <laughs> that. but I am. I feel like sometimes I am. I'm a little bit one of those people. Like I. I like listening to jazz. I, I love the band Lawrence and Lake Street Dive and Sammy Ray. But I feel like recently I've been on a lot of pauses. Um, I've noticed the music I listen to really influences my writing. And that can be positive and negative. I, I used to listen to a bunch of like Mel Brooks mm-hmm. when I first started writing. And I have all these like clever rhymes and, you know, musicality. And then I started watching a certain TV show, which the music was good, but it was it was a specific genre. And then my music started to sound a little. So now when it comes to listening to music, I'm very aware of what I'm listening to, how it's influencing what I'm writing. Um, and kind of going back to what we said about TikTok, I feel like, and this is only my perspective, but I feel like there's so much writing now that's more about how can I make this a hit versus what am I trying to say? And, and just that music just personally, and it has its place. It has its awesome, it has such a big place, um, but it just doesn't resonate with me. And I have, I've been feeling kind of stuck on like, oh, what do I listen to? I just click the same thing every time I get in my car and now I'm sick of these songs. What about you? What, what, are, do you feel that way right now? Yeah, I think this. It, the reason I asked was I was having a conversation the other day, um, which was around kind of music tastes, and I, I, I mean, I used the answer that I listen to a little bit of everything uh, because I have no shame. Um, but we we were discussing it, and we were saying it, it becomes a lot harder 
to to actually find stuff which you you like and you relate to because there's always that top layer like you're saying of of people who are making songs and making music to make a hit to make you know a sound bite you know they'll think about the hook and the hook will be the main part but the rest of the song just seems to kind of drop off and the music which you grew up on has obviously moved on genre-wise, depending on whatever music you were listening to when you were a teenager, that's usually what resonates with you the biggest. So, you know, 10 years down the line, when you're suddenly like, oh, well, I really want to go find some ska music, yeah. where would you find it? So it makes it seem like it's disappeared from the world, when in reality, there's lots of lots of ska bands out there who are making things. You just can't find their work. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that's so, yeah, oh, amen. And I also think... It is so beautiful how accessible music is now. And that's the goal for everyone to be able to make music. That's the goal, you know, it's so accessible. Um, But in some ways that makes everything harder too because everyone can make music. There's just so much, which is such an amazing thing. But like you said, there's so much that it's, you know, even these Apple Music, Spotify, (laughs) it's just so hard for it to find its way to you. Um, Yeah, and I've I've noticed like, yeah, the more undercover, not undercover, the more underground artists have some just incredible stuff, but you know, they're not writing vague songs about summer. And so then their music isn't really getting to the top. It's it's all of, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that's a perfect like album title. <laughs> Just vague songs about summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be my next one. <laughs> you have you'd have to like counter uh, like subvert expectations. So we called vague songs about summer, but it'd all be about winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I I agree. I think it's it's interesting to see. Like, I think that's why live performance becomes so important like open mics and small gigs and small shows to kind of catch the people you wouldn't necessarily run into and the music which you wouldn't necessarily listen to um i was chatting to a guest recently we were saying one of the main problems now is because everything is obviously so algorithmic and and so structured like you say you have to feed whatever's going viral in the minute it becomes so much more important when someone shares something with you that you click that link and find out what it is because it would have been, it probably would have never made it to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think about this too. We're also living in such a weird time now where it's not just the songs. You, you have to love the artists now. It feels like to me, I'm curious what you think about this. But it's like being a good songwriter isn't enough. You have to also be quirky and fun and relatable and, you know, post. you have to have a personality. It's kind of it's kind of what we're running into right now with um. <laughs> I like, should not bring this up. I should have taken my ADD medicine or something. But um, it's kind of the Kanye thing, you know, it's like I'm not going to listen to someone's music who makes an entire group of people feel unsafe, who who's a who's not a good person, you know? And, and that's a very extreme example yeah. of what I'm trying to say, where it's like, you know, there, there was a time where it's, if you like the song, you listen to the song, you put it on a playlist. But now we're living in a time where it's like, unless I can fully support the person 
making something. And and I honestly, I'm kind of in the middle. Part of me is like, the song's good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting now with social media how that's added another layer. Of, or there's people who don't really write the most, you know, complicated music. They just write for fun. But there's such a fun personality that their stuff is at the top while these underground artists who are focused more on the music and less about posting and don't really want, you know, them out there, their stuff kind of remains at the bottom. It's just, it's weird how social media has added that layer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like I can go two ways on it. I think I agree it's amplified that layer. I think he, he I even think it used to exist. It, it was a thing. Like I always use, um, I mean, you think kind of like, back when film was kicking off and like the old stars and the starlets, their whole appeal, whether they were a good actor or a good actress or not, was the fact that they were popular. Yeah. And that resonated with people. You know, you you might think John Wayne's terrible in whatever he's in, but because he had a good personality when he was in interviews and had the whole shtick, someone would go see his film. Um, and I, I think that's always been there, but social media just turned up the volume with it and said, oh, hey, if you want to be on our platform, you're going to have to do that. And I like, like say, I kind of hate that because you do have to put extra effort in there. And if you've got a personality, which isn't necessarily outgoing or bubbly, um, you struggle with it. And like you say, like, especially artists who are very about the craft, you know, very about making music, very about making uh, paintings, whatever. If they're very about that, they're never going to do that. But people might appreciate that. As a, as a kind of like a gives them an edge of mysteriousness I'm, I don't know I mean you could say this podcast is exactly that I mean I make art but I have a conversation every week and that gives a personality edge to it and then yeah like you say the other side of it is do you detach music and do you detach art from the artist at any point mm-hmm. um, the guest I had before we were talking about the recent stuff with the uh, Dilbert creator who went on a, a racist rant so everyone's kind of dropped him um and then obviously there's the jk rowling stuff and yeah. can you enjoy the things you used to enjoy or do you have to just disconnect from that and go okay well you know i'm I'm not going to buy anything new but the old stuff i'm, I'm it gave me you know good feelings to go do yeah. those things um but we were saying you you have to there's almost like an extra step where you're like oh i like this song i'm just going to google them I'm just going to make sure they, they are who they say they are yeah. uh, before I start enjoying it full time. And yeah, It is a double-edged sword. Well, I don't know if I'm into it. Yeah. But then at the same time, I do miss personalities, like like art personalities who are larger than life. I feel like there's a value in that. Yeah, yeah. So the 80s needed to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, a, that's a, I guess maybe that's a, a good example though. Like, so obviously now we have personalities and TikTok and Instagram feed that, but the 80s had all of that, but we didn't care so much. Like, it's weird just how cancel culture in general is just, I think, the death of art. <laughs> I do. Um, and clearly, I don't mean like, like when you say something anti-Semitic or, you yeah. know, racist, like that, we're not, that's completely different. But um, it, it's been very interesting to see. 
I mean, now when artists create in a way where you're just so, I don't know, um, what are we talking about? Personalities. Oh, Lord. This is why I don't drink coffee. I, <laughs> I saw your little thing that was like, pour yourself some coffee. But now no, I, I think <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. It's, it's kind of, and stop me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's it's put a lot more pressure on artists to censor their own work before it even goes out. There's no more you create something and then push it out into the world because you have to think ten times more about like how it might be interpreted as it gets through. Do you do you worry about AI at all and music? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's what I was saying, like, the 80s, I feel like that's mm-hmm. the biggest difference. It's like, we weren't so quick to cancel, like, in the 80s. But we also couldn't see every move in the 80s. You know, you didn't have these 80s musicians on, like, Insta stories, live streaming. Mm-hmm. Their every move, like, getting coffee, you know. Um, to answer your question, um, you know, I was the vice president of an improv team in college. <laughs> and I had to get off because well COVID happened that's kind of why it it ended but to answer your question yeah I do think I think everyone my age this is what's so interesting you go to everyone one-on-one and I've noticed a lot of us have the same perspective on a lot of but as soon as we have that group mentality I don't know I have noticed for myself there's just that extra voice that's a little louder like I'll literally write a lyric that's like I don't know, maybe something about like the birds are singing in the sky and I'm like, oh my gosh, but is this not going to age well because global warming and then what if there aren't birds and then people are thinking that I'm ignorant because like I, t- I said that birds like are going to be singing, but birds don't all sing. What if there's a bird that doesn't have vocal cords and, and then that bird can't sing? Oh, that's so mean to that bird, but it's such a genuine thought, you know, and it comes from such a genuine place where there is, there's this fear and then you see other people get, you know, canceled for these little things and, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's like safe space. I wish we could think of the world more as a brave space because I think just the word safe space, we, we've made this ideal, this idea that everyone will always feel protected. And in reality, that's just not the case. And you want art that's fearless. You know, you want art that like your your artwork, your drawings and stuff. Oh, I just, I love them. And, and then you can't see that anywhere. Not no one has what you have, you know, your, your amazing artistry. And, and I just wish we could create more of a, more of a brave space because then that would create, that would inspire artists to just push out. And guess what? If people don't like it, people don't like it, but that doesn't mean they have to like block you (laughs) and like make fun of your, your makeup. I don't know. I I agree. I think, I think there's a it's almost like a, a lesson which I think comes over time when you're creating stuff. Like I mean I'm guilty of early on in YouTube trying to make stuff which was more other people. You know. It was it was more like I was doing vlogs, I was doing, you know, like comedy things and, and jump cuts every two seconds because yeah. who's gonna pay attention to someone sitting still for an hour? Um and then you you kind of get to a point where you you just don't care it, it it doesn't become about getting an audience anymore it just becomes more about the catharsis because that's the bit which made you happy and that's the bit which you really like gri- gripped onto and that's kind of 
why my, why my intro is what it is because I was meeting so many people who were so worried about making things and were so worried about putting stuff out there and not meeting meeting the needs of the audience. And I was like, well, that doesn't matter because as an artist, your job is to make what an artist makes. Mm-hmm. And if people hate it, then maybe they were meant to hate it. Yeah. Not everything's for everyone. As long as you made it and you enjoyed it and you thought it was cathartic, then that's the important bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, my my concern when I asked about kind of AI art is, like you say, if we're leading to a situation, you, you know, said AI art, yeah, totally misheard you. It's fine. <laughs> I thought yeah. you said your art. No, I mean that's fine. Yeah, and for no, you, like thinking about AI art and, and auto-generated things, my worry is that for someone like you and your industry where personality is such a big thing because it's a person on stage and it's a performance and it's interacting um that companies will basically move towards auto-generated stuff so they don't have the problem of someone going on an interview and saying something offensive because they never have to worry about that because there's a machine and they can turn off yeah there's we're all worried about robots like taking over the world I remember I had a teacher who was like, you know what's crazy? Robots will never be able to take over art. This is the one thing they cannot take over. And then, like, the last year, all this AI, like, write a song that sounds like a certain artist, and they do it. I don't know. It's it's crazy. But (laughs) I think the one comforting thing I think I find is, and maybe this is just me placating myself, uh, when I see AI work, and see people who are doing it in my brain i'm just like yeah but it's not art yeah it, it doesn't fit my definition of what art is and my definition involves the catharsis the artist feels in the process of creation yes. so if you skip that then you've not made art you've just made content hmm. yeah maybe that's the message we need for young people today <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's next on your 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 list of creations? Do you have a list of creations? I'm like my stickies. I did wonder. <laughs> my plan to take over the world. This is for a little cabaret I was working on. Um just so when I yeah, having a little like one person show I can do. Um, I, like I said, I, I really love writing standalone songs. What got me into writing, especially everything on my album, um, I noticed as a performer and as a female identifying performer, there there wasn't a lot of material. Lots of times when you have an audition, they're like, we want you to bring in a comedic song. And I just noticed a lot of comedic song songs written for women in the theater. Um are not that funny or they're just they're overused the ones that are really funny are overused um and then the other ones are just kind of based on these stereotypes i just there's so many songs that are like lol i'm sorry that your mom died you know just they're not real people and so that's kind of what got me into writing this music theater is i wanted to write real real women real people and um so that's why i've kind of been in writing standalone land but now what's next i've been i've been really passionate recently about what what would what, what would it look like 
to write a musical about something where all the money to that musical goes back into that thing. To be more specific, I have a huge heart for foster care. And there's a movie called Instant Family. And I don't want to add the pandemic of writing movie musicals. Um, but I I would love to be able to write a musical about something like that. I've never seen something like that on stage. And then allowing all the money that that makes to be poured back into foster care, you know? So creating these musicals that have more than one purpose. Um, I've also been talking to some movie studios about doing more movie musicals and, and writing for that kind of stuff. So um, right now I'm just kind of in the middle. I need to keep going. That post-grad has gotten me where I just, it's so easy to just sit back and like watch TV, but I really need to step on the gas. Not having a schedule has ruined me, you know, not having a class, this, this, I just, oh my gosh. I feel like that's a, that's a universal experience for anyone who leaves college or university you come out and you're like oh there's no rules yeah so i don't have to do anything i know i've become so lazy oh my god (laughs) even my agent like my first few self-tapes i sent out i'm like these are not good these are not not my best work like um but yeah so that's that's probably what's next just trying to figure that out um yeah how about you? What's next for you? What are you up to? No, I don't do anything. <laughs> You're like me right now. No, no I, I mean, I, I always say that if I don't do anything. I'm, I, I, I'm at the problem right now where I have two or three projects which are in progress. Um, so I, I make zines uh, as well as kind of like there's a comic which I'm drawing, and then um, just writing things. I did. I had the intention to start a book. And, and write a bit of a book and I hadn't done anything with that but then at the same time I had a new idea recently and I'm like oh do I work on that or do I do the things that I was meant to do as I go like that's my problem I got too many things yeah <laughs> uh, I feel that yeah it must be harder for you though because that, yours is quite a long process I can I can crack out a sketch in an afternoon <laughs> that has been a little weird yeah like, I'm about to apply for a grant. My school sent out this, like, alumni grant, and I was debating what do I apply for, writing a musical or my next album. Mm-hmm. And there was this bit of, like, good gosh, I don't know how much you read about musicals and stuff, but, like, they all take, like, 13 years to really develop. And that's not even writing it. That's after it's written. You know, that's 13 years of just getting it on its feet, workshopping it. You know, it's a very... Is it, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I say follow the passion. Like I said, I I didn't really want to write musicals, but everyone on in TikTok was like, "When's your musical coming out? When's your musical coming out?" When's I'm like, "Why not?" I tried. Yeah. I wasn't really passionate about it, so then I was like, "I don't want to do this." But then I got that foster care idea, and now all of a sudden, there's a whole new passion around, you know, writing a full work. So. Same as you. <laughs> it's like, We've all got too many things, too many bits. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. I, I was, I mean, just to kind of round this out. I mean, you're, so you mentioned your post grad, which I mean, don't know how long that means you were in you college for. How long were you, How long is that? It's different country to country, right? Yeah. So I was in college for four years. I graduated okay. in twenty two. So. So you're only you're only fresh, as it were. Fresh out of school. What I'm going to ask you a, a, a 
a, a default question. What advice do you give young people who are, who are pre-postgrad? Keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't compare what you're going through. Everyone's path is different. And the, and I know that sounds so vague, but the older I get, I'm like, oh yeah. Like I'm a writer too. I'm not just a performer. So for me to compare my journey to, you know, someone who just performs, it's gonna look completely different. Um, uh, really use school. Oh, that sounds so lame, but like, Go to the speeches they do. Like, go, go to the. You stuff. sound so unexcited about all of this. It's I, the least convincing. I'm jealous. I'm like, oh, I wish I could go back. Um, but most importantly of all, something I've always said: really learn, really learn. And I would stand by this. I, I practice what I preach. I really do when it comes to this. Really learning how to be happy for people around you. Hmm. It's so easy to be like, OMG, congrats. I'm getting the role I wanted. <laughs> Twitching. Um, but I learned that, you know, I just kind of discovered that on my own in high school. When you are able to really, truly, from such a genuine place, be happy for the people around you. Ooh, life. Life is much more enjoyable um, and happier and um, and healthier. You know, you yeah. feel healthy. When you can actually genuinely be happy for the people around you and not not envious and not you know holding grudges and being mean and so maybe that's that's my advice. <laughs> I, I think that's great advice. I think like looking at your own paper is the advice most people always give. Like, yeah, have your own way, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think the addition of just being happy for other people doing what they're doing. Yeah. Is- yeah, it's, it's it's almost as important as doing it. And and the only reason I look so unexcited is because it is all of it sounds so cliche. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? It all sounds so cliche. Be yourself. Like oh my gosh, if someone else says that to me, I'm gonna flip a table. Um, it, was, it was just the the cadence was very much along the lines of like you should eat healthy. Yeah, you yeah. Should exercise. <laughs> it's just like. But this is social stuff now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also think finding a good hobby that has nothing to do with what you're doing. That's something I struggled with. For the longest time, my hobby was playing piano and writing songs from performing. But now that that's kind of it, like I've, I've learned recently, I don't really have a hobby. So like I like fun earrings, but that's not really a hobby. So um, maybe that's the other thing I'd say. Find a hobby. <laughs> find a hobby. Find a disconnect. This is always yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. You, as creatives, I think we have a habit of enjoying something and then trying to make it bigger than the thing that it was, which you're enjoying. And then that ruins it. Yes, yes, yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Luckily, we don't enjoy doing the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have one last question. Yes. Uh, which I'm asking all the guests this year because I'm starting a chain lab. Um, who should I talk to next? Ooh. And it can be anyone. And I will try to reach them. In one <laughs> what do you like to talk about? Well, I'll let the guests pick the topic. We talked about musicals today. That's, That's true. The, this is, this is the, the crux of the podcast. <laughs> um, 
I'm like Tina Fey. <laughs> Let's um. I can try. <laughs> um, you know, there is this brilliant. It's similar to me, so I understand if you're like, I don't really want to talk to another <laughs> writer. I hey, this girl talked about herself the entire time. Um. This has been the most musical episode I've had in a while. There's been singing, there's been tuning. <laughs> no, and I'm sorry for, I felt like I've I've hosted things before and I remember I just wanted the person to talk a lot so I didn't have to come up with stuff. So I, I totally rambled on a lot of these and I apologize if I... There's no need to apologize. There is no structure to this apart from I have, I start off with four simple questions and I don't always use them all, but they're there just in case. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, Oliver Richman. Oliver Richman. And I can even email you that. Um, I don't know much about him, but I admire the heck out of his work. Um, those people online that make everything look like cake. They're kind of cool, too. Maybe I, could find, I could find a baker. I've not had a baker on the show yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, or who else? Yeah. We'll brainstorm. I'll, I'll see some people, but yeah, maybe that. That's. Bridgman. I'll look it up. I'll find out. Yeah, I, I may say like I because I'm open to all guests. Any guests, I figured the best people to ask would be the people I've already managed to convince to come on. So. <laughs> no, and this this is so much fun. I love your show. I love your channel. Um, I love your artwork. Seriously, big fan. <laughs> I'm, you don't have to lie. <laughs> Bad. Anyway, it's been lovely having you on. I'm chatting to you. you uh, we will round out there. And, uh, yeah. Let the people go off and do their own thing and, uh, you know, enjoy other people's successes. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for your time. Thank Let's you. Let's see you guys later. Bye.